Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Place Prepared Podcast, where we talk about all things spiritual and all things manifestation. Let's demystify reality creation together. In this episode, we continue with the series where we read in chronological order Neville Goddard's books. This season, we will be reading Awakened Imagination and The Search. I will be reading this off of Neville Goddard's complete reader on Amazon Kindle. Chapter 1 Continuation Who is your imagination? Man, in the moment of his awakening to the imaginative life, must meet the test of sonship. Father, reveal thy son in me, and... It pleased God to reveal His Son in me. Galatians 1.15.16 The supreme test of sonship is forgiveness of sin. The test that your imagination is Christ Jesus, the Son of God, is your ability to forgive sin. Sin means missing one's mark in life, falling short of one's ideal, failing to achieve one's aim. Forgiveness means identification of man with his ideal or aim in life. This is the work of the awakened imagination, the supreme work, for it tests man's ability to enter into and partake of the nature of his opposite. Let the weak man say, I am strong. Reasonably, this is impossible. Only awakened imagination can enter into and partake of the nature of its opposite. So I know we just started, but I want to take a quick pause right here, because I think this part of sin and forgiveness is really important. So Neville is talking about sin as... If you fall out of your state or you are not in your ideal state, you have sinned. You have not been able to maintain it. If you're not able to maintain your state, you have sinned. But forgiveness is what allows you to get back into your state. When you forgive yourself, you are not dwelling in the fact that you have fallen out of your state or you did not maintain it. In an interview with Dr. Joe Dispenza, I remember that... He says, when you come out of your meditation, you are now going to be initiated. Meaning that although in your meditation you felt yourself to be who you wanted to be, can you go throughout your day and be able to maintain that state that you had when you meditated? Because when you're meditating, you don't have any of your, you don't have any outside stimuli or outside triggers. So it is obviously the ideal place you want to be. However, your true test to see if you actually enter the state that you want to be in will be in your waking day. Throughout your day, when you go about your day, that is your true initiation. And with Neville's description right now talking about sin and forgiveness, even though you might fall out of your state, you have to bring yourself back into your chosen state and do not beat yourself up over falling out of it. You can As quickly as you fall out, you can jump back into the ideal state. Alright, let's continue. This conception of Christ Jesus as human imagination raises these fundamental questions. Is imagination a powerful sufficient not merely to enable me to assume that I am strong, but is it also of itself capable of executing the idea? Suppose that I desire to be in some other place or situation. Could I, by imagining myself in such a state and place, bring about their physical realization? Suppose I could not afford the journey and suppose my present social and financial status oppose the idea that I want to realize. Would imagination be sufficient of itself to incarnate these desires? Does imagination comprehend reason? By reason, I mean deductions from the observations of the senses. 
Does it recognize the external world of facts? In the practical way of everyday life, is imagination a complex guide to behavior? Suppose I am capable of acting with continuous imagination, that is, suppose I am capable of sustaining the feeling of my wish fulfilled, will my assumption harden into fact? And if it does harden into fact, shall I on the reflection find that my actions through the period of incubation have been reasonable? Is my imagination a powerful sufficient not merely to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, but it is also of itself capable of incarnating the idea? After assuming that I am already what I want to be, must I continually guide myself by reasonable ideas and actions in order to bring about the fulfillment of my assumption? Experience has convinced me that an assumption, though false, it persisted in will harden into fact that continuous imagination is sufficient for all things, and all my reasonable plans and actions will never make up for the lack of continuous imagination. Is it not true that the teachings of the gospel can only be received in terms of faith, and that the Son of God is constantly looking for signs of faith in people, that is, faith in their own imagination? Is it not the promise, Believe that ye receive, and ye shall receive? Mark 11.24 the same as imagine that you are and what imagine that you are and that you shall be was it not an imaginary state in which moses endured as seeing him who is invisible hebrews 11:27 was it not by the power of his own imagination that he endured truth depends upon the intensity of the imagination not upon external facts facts are the fruit bearing witness of the use or misuse of the imagination now let's talk about it so I love that Neville uses all these questions that a lot of us, when we first started in Neville's work, were having the same questions. How is it going to work? Is it true that it will work? How is it going to work? What about this? What about that? Talking about circumstances. And I like that he says, based on my experience, because the truth is that Everything comes back to our own experience. Even myself, I cannot tell you anything for a fact. I can only tell you from my own experience. So from my own experience, what Neville is teaching does work. So the part I wanted to focus on as well is where he says, Truth depends upon the intensity of the imagination, not upon external facts. I love Reverend Dyke. And one of the things that Reverend Ike talks about is feelings are above facts. Meaning that if you feel yourself to be who you want to be, the facts must conform to that. I've said it in a previous episode. What we know is how we feel. So if you feel yourself to be ugly, then that is what you know. And that is what's going to be a present fact. To you, a really good movie is the movie I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. I think that's how you say her last name. But that's a really good movie where she just, in her mind, believes that she is pretty. She thinks she's this model. And she walks around thinking she's this person and her life is just coming together. And there's things that she would have formerly reacted to that she lo that she no longer reacts to. And so he says... Truth depends upon the intensity of the imagination. So this part is really important because it goes back to what we were talking about in the first part of the chapter. The stories that we are running in our head are what we think is true. 
the more we tell the story of what we believe to be true, and that is what you are manifesting because you are telling the story and you are feeding the story and you are imagining it and you start to feel the emotion. It starts to, you know, rile you up. And so you believe that this is the truth and you don't see that there is, that you can change it. And so one of the things that I would recommend is get engaged in your story. You know, don't tell the story of what's another coach told you or what somebody else told you or what you think is right. Do what feels good. What what really gets you excited to tell the story. Imagine if you're telling the story to your best friend or your mom or whoever and you're just so excited to tell this story and you get so detailed and you get so excited and that's where you should be. The people who I think are the best storytellers are the people who are, are the complainers of the world. Because when they complain, they tell you in detail everything that's going on. So why not, instead of complaining, tell the story you want to tell. So that can be your truth. And that is the emotion that you will invoke in yourself because you are so excited about the story. You are so engaged in it. All right, let's move on. Man becomes what he imagines. He has a self-determined history. Imagination is the way, the truth, the life revealed. We cannot get hold of truth with a logical mind. Where the natural man of sense sees a bud, imagination sees a rose full-blown. Truth cannot be encompassed by facts. As we awaken to the imaginative life, we discover that to imagine a thing is to make it so, that a true judgment need not conform to the external reality to which it relates. The imaginative man does not deny the reality of the sensuous outer world of becoming, but he knows that it is the inner world of continuous imagination that is the force by which the sensuous outer world of becoming is brought to pass. He sees the outer world and all of its happenings as projections of the inner world of imagination. To him, everything is a manifestation of the mental activity which goes on in man's imagination, without the sensuous, reasonable man being aware of it. But he realizes that every man must become conscious of this inner activity and see the relationship between the inner, casual world of imagination and the sensuous outer world of effects. It is a marvelous thing to find that you can imagine yourself in the state of your fulfilled desire and escape from the jails which ignorance built. The real man is a magnificent imagination. It is this self that must be awakened. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Ephesians 5.14 The moment man discovers that his imagination is Christ, he accomplishes acts which on this level can only be called miraculous. But until man has the sense of Christ as his imagination, you did not choose me, I have chosen you. John 15.16 He will see everything in pure objectivity without any subjective relationship, not realizing that all that he encounters is part of himself. He rebels at the thought that he has chosen the conditions of his life, that they are related by affinity to his own mental activity. Man must firmly come to believe that reality lies within him and not without. Although others have bodies, a life of their own, their reality is rooted in you, ends in you, as yours ends in God. End of chapter 1. Now let's talk about it. We could end this whole analysis by just quoting, Man becomes what he imagines. That is the ultimate truth, is what you imagine yourself to be. And something that I wanted to touch on was he is describing how dependent on your state is how you are going to react to the world. So one of the examples that I like to give is 
when people say, this person made me mad. Nobody can make you mad. It's just that you allowed it to mean something about you. And the example that I always use is when somebody tells a joke. One person can think it's the funniest joke in the world and the other will take it offensively because they allowed it to mean something about them. So for example, my sister interrupts a lot and her intention is not to hurt me and her intention is not to upset me. She just gets sometimes really excited about the conversations that we're having. And back then, I used to get so angry that she would interrupt me. And it was because I was in a state, I put myself in a state, I allowed it to mean that I am someone who is not respected, that I get walked over. Now when she interrupts me, I don't do anything because I know that my opinion is valid and right now she's just excited. And usually now, she comes back around and says, sorry I interrupted you, go ahead. I just got excited. So we can allow something to ruin our day simply from our state. But that's just one aspect of the state that we enter. When you enter a state, it can change everything. It doesn't necessarily mean that you attach a different meaning to something. But attaching a different meaning to something shows you that you are entering the state that you want. So it's a natural side effect or something that you might notice. And I think one of the main takeaways from this is that everything always comes back to you and how you imagine yourself to be in relationship to yourself and of others. It will never be anybody else's fault and it will never be up to anybody else to fix your problems. It will always be you and whatever you imagine yourself to be in relationship to yourself and of others. So if you would like something to change, change your conception of yourself change the state that you are in. Don't worry so much about how is this going to happen. Imagine yourself to be who you want to be because it feels good. Something that came to me in a meditation was we are learning to conjure up feelings and conjure up emotions. It doesn't matter if you have the thing that you want. Isn't it so beautiful that we can feel like we have what it is that we want before we even have it. We have that power inside of ourselves to conjure up those emotions. Is that not exciting in and of itself? When people talk about, oh, it's just a placebo, that should excite you in thinking, wow, I have the power in myself that I don't need anyone or anything to give me what I want. So that concludes chapter one. I hope you enjoyed my analysis and my readings and let me know your thoughts of what you might have interpreted that I didn't interpret that way or if my interpretations helped you understand something, let me know. You can DM me on Instagram at Place Prepared. Thank you for listening to Place Prepared Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, comment, or review. All the links to see more or get in contact with me are in the description. Happy manifesting!